Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Nashville. I want to say, I want to say it's 92. I want to say it's 92. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have Buzz co-sign because last time she co-signed and she was super, super wrong because she's done, she doesn't do her homework on much shit. Bubs, COVID over here is really, really going on. I feel like everybody we talked about last week, I did talk about my mom getting sick and, and, Thank you for everybody that did the prayers, but I left a lot of details out. I'm one of those, I'm one of those persons where I feel like if something's going bad, I don't want to let a lot of people know. Even when I had COVID, I didn't let anybody know until after I had it. And I think Novel posted some shit like, oh, pray for Rocky. And like, I don't, I don't like that. Like, I just, I don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't, it's, if I'm in trouble or something's going bad, I don't like explaining it. Like, I'd rather not see it, you know, like. So with my mom, she was actually on a, on a ventilator on an oxygen tank for a week. And she went to the hospital and she was doing really bad. My mom's very stubborn. So my, for my mom to go to hospital, it has to be really, really bad. And she has asthma, which is even more scary because asthma and COVID is not the business, you no. know? So she went to the hospital and she was doing bad. And then she comes home. And we're okay. It's not that bad if you came home. So that's good. That's a good sign. And then she's, she's asleep and we get a phone call and it's Kaiser and Kaiser says she snuck out that they wanted to keep her. That's how stubborn she is. Well, I don't want to be there. I'm not trying to be there because like my mom goes for asthma. She'll be there for like a week and she just hates hospitals. So they actually, I never seen Kaiser do this before, but they actually came to our house and gave her her, her own oxygen tank and everything. They were like, we're going to be stubborn. We're still going to take care of you. And I never did thought hospitals did that. We always hear negative stories about hospitals by Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. So Kaiser, um, they came through. It was scary. Like I didn't even like going into her room because I don't like seeing her like that, like passed out with a mask on, you know, like it's, it's a scary thing. So I get like, I even went to church on Wednesday and you know, it's so stupid because people, people are always like, if you're scared, go to church. Well, you know, a motherfucker, I was scared. And, um, <laughs> and when you're scared, you want to run to your dad, your father, Jesus, you know, and, and my, my Holy God, I know people don't want to hear about God. Some, I, I even got a DM, some guy named Logan. I don't know. Lo, I don't know Logan. He's like, man, I don't like episode 90 about church and this and that. I go, listen, bro, like Logan. And I that episode was name. for you, Logan. I know it's for you, but not every episode is going to be about God. So like, this is Nashville. It's more about my life and a little bit about the pubs, but it's about my life. And some days it's about, it's whatever. It, this is, you guys, are not, this is like my diary or journal called my guy. It's my journal. And, no, this is what, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about what I'm going through. So after a week later, my mom, it was so good to see my mom walk around the house, like even cleaning. And that's like such a, everybody was stressed out at the house. Like I'm talking about stressed out. My sister making dinner, my dad was there by her side the whole time so it was pretty it was a pretty anxiety week and it was scary it was just scary like COVID is a scary thing I know like people has she ever had it before she has it and the thing is my whole family especially my mom and dad my sister everybody is vaccinated everybody has their booster shots so like but this is my thing with the whole vaccine and the booster shot and so on I believe Obviously, you can still. If you go, oh, I thought you're, I thought you're vaccinated. How'd you get? How'd you, how'd you get COVID? That's not the. Like, what, what the? For me, I'm not a doctor, but a Nashville, I am. 
but, I'm, I, but I'm saying for at least the vaccine is a little dab pretty much of COVID. You're getting the strain kind of. And what it's doing is, once again, not doctor, but I play one on a podcast, but it's training your body to fight for the main thing. So when you do get COVID, it's not like a big surprise. Your body's like, oh shit, what is this? It's training your body to fight off COVID. And I think it could have been a lot worse if my mom didn't have the vaccine shot, if she didn't have the booster shot, she had asthma. It could have been a lot worse. And I feel like the, with the vaccine shot and a booster, she let her body know what COVID was and her body was ready for the fight. It prepared her for the fight. And that's just my assumption that that's what I think the vaccine shot is. Once again, I don't know. But at the end of the day, who does know? I'm not going to argue with people what's no. right and what's wrong, what's blue, what's red. Like, I'm not, the, the world's flat, it's round. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to tell you what I do. So that was my little scary week. And it was, it was, it was definitely doing, but um, Bubs, we do have a pretty interesting show today. We do have an interesting show, you know, and we got the idea because you, first of all, your episode yet um last week was really good. It was a amazing feedback. We hit a shitload of views. A lot of people repost. I think it's crazy because you get more reposts than I do. Like it's fucking Bugsville or some shit. But you know what? I'm the type where I don't repost a lot of people's stuff. I don't want to be a repost page. I just right. I just want to post whatever. And I'll repost some things. Like I'll do some reposts, you know. I just don't want to make my whole story about repost, repost, repost. You know, I just don't. Right. But um, I know the really good thing and with your story, and people are like, what the fuck? It's like a soap opera. Once again, if you want the whole story, get Patreon. And mostly have Patreon because of Nashville, but go to Curvy Conversation and you can hear the details of her story. But with the story, it kind of motivated us to do like. If I'm going to be honest, Street Scholars got big and got known because of real people, real stories. And we and now season two, you can check it out on YouTube if you want on Street Scholars season two. And that's what made us, you know, it, it, Street Scholars got away from us. Now we're doing these guests and no fest. Well, that's guests, how I met you, too. I met you because I was on Real People, Real Stories. Ab- absolutely. And like, I'm not even motivated or Street Scholars. You know that because I don't care for the guests we're interviewing. No disrespecting the guests. But I like to I like to keep, you know, with my peers and people that have been through some struggles as we've been through struggle. Like I feel like a lot of people we get on street scholars now, I have nothing in common with you, bro. Like you're, you know what I mean? But it just it is what it is. So that's um your story kind of motivated me. You know, maybe once in a while, not all the time, once in a while, we should get some some real people, real stories on Nashville. Right. And I think you put on your post, hey, if anybody has any good stories, whatever. And um, I got I, so like literally, it was so hard. I still have some that I haven't even opened. There's so many DMs from people, and it's crazy. And I got a DM uh, from Jennifer, and her story was pretty. Um, it was pretty intense. It was like it was like a street scholar story. It was pretty intense. Um, I screenshot it. I let you. I let you read it. You're in, you're really into it. I let my sister see it. Go. That sounds like a really good interview. A really good story. So we're gonna get into that um that first story right now. But first, yo rock, drop me a sick ass beat. And welcome back to Nashville. I don't want to keep you guys waiting. I really want to dive into the story. It's a story that I think, uh, believe it or not, I think the story a lot of us can relate to. 
I'm hoping not not too many, but I know Nashville followers and Street Scholar followers, we come from a different kind of thread. Bubs, help me out. Is that what it come is? from a different cloth. There you go. Thread the same thing. But go ahead, Bubs. Let's go to introduce our guests. Yeah, so, okay, so I want everybody to give a big Nashville welcome to Jennifer. Um, hi, hi, Jennifer. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Hi, guys. Thank you. Do you prefer Jen or Jennifer? Or Jenny69. No, I actually prefer Jen. Jen's fine. Jen? Okay, cool. So just quickly, how long have you been a listener? And then if you want to give us like where you're from, what you do, if you want to say your age, you're more than welcome. You can lie. You don't have to. Like me, I'm 23 in my spirit. Whatever age you said, just add five years to it. That's usually what, you know, like guys do. Okay, with I'm 23. Okay, go ahead. So my name's Jennifer and I, I live in Lancaster. I am a social worker, a, a children's social worker. Nice. And I'm 39. Okay, and so I'm actually No, I'm 39. <laughs> So I've been a listener for about, I don't know, it started off with Street Scholars. I think I ran into, it was an episode where Mr. Untouchable was on there. Awesome. And um, I just I just became a listener like, like after that and then came across Nashville and I've been listening like all the time. Awesome, well, thank I love it. Thank you for the support. I do want to, so um, when, you, when you hit me up, I, I don't want to summarize your story, but I do want to dive into it really, like really good. I'll let everybody know she came from a really bad background as far as childhood, growing up with drugs and your mom and so on. Yes. And I feel like that's one thing that I know I personally connected with your story is, and again, we're going to let you, you know, start from how you were brought up in, in your home, but I feel like mine was a little bit similar. So I, 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 can sympathize with that but i know yours is a you know lot what, i didn't really think about that when, when i was reading your story i, I forget because i mean you know i know you mentioned it a lot and those the one no buzz backstory once again go to career conversation but what your backstory is that i completely forgot that you come from like a mom just like that as well if uh i think you got out of early where it was almost a blessing that your mom left your life because yep. you would have stood it could end up like jennifer's life not right now, about her childhood. But going to take us to your childhood, you said your mom, you said your mom was a drug addict. What kind of drug was your mom doing? My mom was actually a meth addict for a really long time. And then she she got herself off meth and then she got addicted to uh, prescription medication. So then she got addicted to uh, morphine. So she was, she went from meth to morphine for many, many years. And this, And you grew up in East Los Angeles, right? No, I grew up in a, in a, I don't know if you guys have heard of a city named Linwood. Of course. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a city, city called Linwood and um, my parents had split probably about, I think. Okay. You know what? I just kind of want to get into this. I just want you to take us to the time where all started being bad. Okay. All right. So as far as I can remember, uh, my parents split up. I was 11 years old. Uh, we were living in Linwood, California. Parents had got a divorce. My mom was already on drugs at that time. I guess that was the reason for my mom and my dad splitting up. Um, my mom, according to my mom, she says that my dad had got her addicted to drugs because back then it was like the the mid the mid eighties, and my, you know my dad used to sell dope, and uh, she said that my dad first turned her on to I guess acid, and then 
she got really bad, you know, onto meth. And then she ended up leaving my dad. Um, I had an older brother who has now passed away. He's been gone for about this Thanksgiving was four years. Well, my brother was from a local gang in Linwood. And uh, my mom somehow started hanging out with his homeboys and the homegirls and all that stuff. Your mom was kicking it with um, with his neighborhood? My mom was like the godmother of that neighborhood. So my mom ended up kicking it with the homies, the homegirls from Linwood. And, you know, she ended up getting pregnant by my brother's homeboy. Wow. So I have a 20, I have a 23 year old brother who is from my brother's homeboy. So, you know, we were living, we were living in the hood and, you know, at that point, my mom didn't have another income because of course my dad had left. So my mom started selling drugs and she was with uh, my little brother's dad at that time. And I just remember her telling me like, Hey, do you want to make some money or whatever? And I was like, I was young. I was probably literally like 12 years old. And my mom would mm-hmm. let me use her cut list. And she'd be like, Hey, go to the neighborhood and go. Pick you were up. driving at 12. Yeah. I was driving at 12. And I'm more made about driving and selling drugs, but go. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was driving at 12 and my mom had like a cut list, you know, really nice cut list. I think it had like some datings at the time. And um, she'd be like, hey, go pick up, you know, my van or whatever. And I'd be like, it'd be like four o'clock in the morning. And I'd be like, dude, like, what is my like at that point, though, I think I was so like, like kind of I think I was so mature at that time that I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna go pick them up. I thought it was cool at that time because I was involved in all this stuff. So I, I like the adrenaline and like the lifestyle. So I was like, yeah, mom, I'll go pick them up or whatever. And then they were like, oh, well, you know, I think it started off well when they weren't home. I remember they'd have the, the Christmas lights on. They'd be like, all right, well, if the Christmas lights are on at the house, then it's a go. That means that the customers are going to come and knock on the door and you got to serve them. Lord so, Jesus. It was like, I was like Krispy Kreme when the light's on. You got to like hot donuts. You're 12 years old. You're driving a colorless on datings. You're bumming some gangster music. You're thinking like this, this is, this is the life. I'm doing it. I feel real good. And I get it. You're at a young age and you probably think like you're the shit. Like you're doing good. And that's all you know. And I think a lot of people don't know that a lot of people growing up in gangs. This is all they know. Do you, are exactly. you, are you doing drugs also at 12? At that time? No, no, I was not drinking. Oh. Yes. Drinking, partying, trying to fit in. But at that point I was still like the, like the little, like the little sister because they had respect for my older brother. Yeah. So, and I look back at all this stuff and I'm like, damn, like I was crazy. Like I was around so many dudes, so many people like witnessed so much stuff. I'm thinking like, man, like, Thank God they looked at me like a little sister and didn't take advantage of me because yeah. you know, all kinds of crazy shit happens. So when you start selling drugs, do you remember that time where your mom handed you the drugs and said, hey, like, this, like, do, do you remember the day she said, go and sell these drugs, pretty much? I just remember having the rock cocaine on a clear plastic plate, razor blade. She's like, hey, this is, this is a nickel, this is a dime, this is a 20, this is a quarter piece whatever this is what you give them this is what you give them when they come knock on the fucking door this is what you give them yeah 
So I just listened and I was like, all right. And then I started getting paid and then I would get on the trolley and go to the Compton swap meet and I go buy gold or I go buy my little clothes because we were poor. Like my dad at that point, he took off. Like once my mom got a divorce, once they, once he split up, my dad was like, you know what? I can't deal with this shit. Like mom's crazy daughters freaking wilding out. So dad didn't want at that point, dad didn't, my dad didn't give a shit. He didn't, he didn't care about anything, but, but his life, you know? At what age were you when your parents separated? Uh, I was 11. You were 11, so the time you started selling dope is the time your, your dad took off, right? Yeah, yeah, a little and bit after that. And your dad took off for the selfish reason to sell drugs somewhere else and be with other people? I think that him and my mom were having problems. Um, I don't really know exactly to what extent, but I know they were having problems. I don't know if it was the drugs or, you know, infidelity. I don't really know, but he ended up just leaving. But if you're selling drugs at 12 years old, 11 years old, so your brother had to be selling drugs as well. At, um, and what's the age between you and your older brother? Uh, we were eight years apart. So he was highly involved in drugs as well. And at no point did your older brother um, see, see a problem like, hey, that's little sister, or he was kind of brainwashed that that's a, that's a lifestyle as well. No. Well, at this point, he had already met his wife. So he had moved out and he was like pissed at my mom because what she was oh. doing at that time. So wow. he didn't really, he was too busy. He just had his daughter um, and he was a young dad. So he was doing his own life at that time. At what point did your mom, where you started to do, you started doing drugs? I think I started experimenting with drugs maybe later on, maybe about like 16, 15, where I got into some drugs. I was drinking though at like 12. I remember going to, you know, my, my girlfriend's house at the time and her mom would, would drink a lot. And uh, the mom always had Hennessy. So we would start drinking, you know, mm. Henny and Coke or just drinking Cognacs. Her mom liked the good stuff. So we'd be drinking all that stuff. But I think um, as far as the drugs go, I was maybe about 16, 17 when I started experimenting with, you know, I used to smoke Primo's. I don't know if you guys know what Primo's are, but it's a mixture Absolutely. of marijuana and, and rock cocaine in a joint and you smoke I, it and you get high. I smoked a few of those in my time. Um, so I followed that, get, I followed that lifestyle and um, for someone, like I live the same lifestyle, not as, I mean, I grew with good parents. Me and my brother were just dumbasses. I know there's a lot of cool things that come with it, or you think it's cool, you know, the lifestyle. And the lifestyle, it definitely is an adrenaline rush. And I think a lot of gang members get addicted, not just to drugs, but the adrenaline rush. But we all know there's lows, and there's lows, lows that come with that lifestyle, you know? Is there any story that you could think of, not that haunts you, that you could look back and say, fuck, like, what am I doing? Did it ever hit you that what you're doing was not normal? I think I, as far as I can remember, there was one time where I was in, I was actually in the garage and I was with one of my homies and we started smoking. We started smoking rock cocaine straight from, I think it was a piece of foil paper and I was in the garage and I had just had my, yeah, straight, straight up. We were just, you're about 15. You're about 15. No, I, th I think I was about, I had just had my, I think I, had, I think I just had my daughter. So I was about 18. It was, I had got high, like right after my daughter. Her, I was I, my daughter was a baby and I remember my homegirl calling me and she was like hey I'm gonna go pick you up and I was like all right cool when we went we went and we got high and, and it just hit me and I was like you know what, what the fuck are you doing like you got a daughter now and that was the day that it actually hit me and I've never like I have not fucked around with drugs since that time wow was your mom still in your was your mom still in your life when you did that yeah she was 
she was in my life. But the thing is, is my mom's always been, she was still with my little brother's dad at that time. They've kind of always had like a relationship with where they struggled. You know what I mean? Like, I think my stepdad was still, was still flying drugs at that time. We had even moved out of Linwood and we moved to Lancaster, but that lifestyle still follows you. Like, regardless, like no matter where you go, if you don't have like a backup plan and that's kind of all, you know, then that's what you do. So even, even though we moved from, from LA to Lancaster, it's still kind of haunted like my, my stepdad and my mom, because at that point, you know, my little brother was a, he was a baby and they needed to make money. So they were still selling, you know, they were still selling dope. We were poor. We didn't have no money. I remember walking home from, I was 15. Literally my first job was like Burger King. We didn't live in the, in the best uh, area, even out here. And um, I would walk home from, from work. And I remember getting that job at Burger King. And I was like, damn, I remember running home, like having to run home because I was fucking scared. Like yeah, Lancaster is no joke. It's it's pretty hood over there in Lancaster. Anywhere in a high desert, people think the high high desert is very vicious. No disrespect, but is people uh, those of you that are out of state and out of out of the country that don't know what Lancaster is. I'll give you ex- Lancaster is about an hour drive from downtown LA, if not a little further. What it is, um, LA is so expensive, but even in South Central Compton, Watts, even at the you know the, the poor income cities. People, the poor, they can't afford no more, so they go to the high desert, Victorville, Apple Valley, Hesperia, Lancaster. So it's 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 poorer than poor. Like, it's it's almost like the all-stars of the ghetto all in one city. So when you go to high desert, Lancaster, it, in Palmdale, and all those cities, it's very, those are roofless cities. It's very vicious, and a lot of people move out there for that reason. So I just want to get give our viewers an idea of what Lancaster is. It, so you're saying you're running for Burger King, and I know why it's Lancaster is it's a scary city. Yeah, it is very scary, very sketchy people. At that time, I'm young. You know, I was just trying to make some money to help, you know, to help my mom out and my stepdad. Cause like I said, at that time, my, my, I had my little brother and he was little and my mom would tell me, Oh, you know, he doesn't have this or he doesn't have that. So I just kind of stepped up and I would help them. And I've always been like that with my brother. Like I've always taken care of him since he was a little, you know, since he was a little baby. I'm sorry. When you moved to Lancaster, did you already have your daughter or you had her when you lived after you lived there? I had her like I had just got here. I had moved to Lancaster. When I was like 16. I had just been up up here for maybe like about, I would say, like a year, maybe. And then I met their dad. And then um, he was the first person I had slept with. And I got pregnant. Teenage mom. Boom. Pregnant. So with all these drugs, selling drugs in high school do, and doing drugs and all that, and then you get pregnant, I'm going to assume, and I could be wrong, but did you graduate from high school? I did. I actually was in a, in a couple continuations. I started off at a, at a high school in, uh, down in East LA. Okay. And it was, it was called, uh, what was it called? I don't remember the name of it, but it was off of Ramona and 3rd continuation and then I moved out here I kept going to all these continuations because I had dropped out of school and I was like in eighth grade yeah and then when I came out here I ended up going back to school and then uh yeah I did graduate though to answer your question Rocky my daughter was um I think she was like six months old when I graduated high school so you got a GED and we all know a GED means a good enough diploma yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's well, right. I have a question. So now, now being that you're a social worker now, uh, and we're still going to get into, into your story more, but going, thinking, being you being a social worker and then thinking like, yeah, I dropped out in the eighth grade. Like, 
were, do you ever think like, man, I wish somebody would have called on my mom or I wish somebody would have done something so that you could, you could have stayed in school. You know what I mean? You know what? And this is the story where, where my sister-in-law comes in because my brother, you know, even though they were young at the time, but my sister-in-law, my brother kind of knew what was going on in a sense. And I remember her, she was like, no, you know what? I'm going to take your ass and I'm going to put you back in school. Like you're not going to drop out of school. So she went and put me back in school. And then I went and I started to, I was staying at their house, but at that place, I was all over the place. I would run away. And I was just, I was horrible. I'd, I'd live there. I'd live at my, at my homegirl's house. Then I'd you know, go to my grandma's house. I was just all over the place. But thank God my sister-in-law was kind of like a little intervention for me. And she was like, you know what? Right. I'm putting your ass back in school. Okay, before we start getting to your other stories and the whole Lancaster and how you start working at Burger King, um, you did grow up in um in a neighborhood, um, suburbs of LA, but it's pretty it's pretty wicked over there as well. When we when we talk about drugs, when we talk about selling drugs, talking about your mom, and you're talking about the local the, the local gang, um, all of that comes with different things. I can say for me personally, me and my brother were all from the same neighborhood that our house been shot up many times. It just we've been in a lot of situations. And that just kind of comes with a territory that a lot of people don't understand, or maybe they do, you know. Have you been in a situation like that where there, you know there's shootings or you've been in like like a because I feel like in that kind of profession, and it's a profession, because anytime you make you're doing a business, you make money, it's a profession. And that profession, that industry, did you ever feel like your life was threatened almost? I mean, there was times where there was, you know, police shootings inside my mom's house. I mean, people would, you know, be running from the cops. And my mom's house at that point was literally like the neighborhood house. Like my mom's house was the actual neighborhood. Like, no, I get the, it. The hood hood. Yep. Where every homie came every night. They had a big bonfire in the back. It was it was the homie house. You know and not I mean? only that, when it's a homie house, and I know a homie because uh, our house was a homie house, you know, somewhat. But when you come in homies houses, the rival gangs know it's the homie house too, and they know where to go look for the for you guys. So I'm pretty sure you, yeah, you, like you said, you had shootings at your house. Cops know it's a homie house, so it was never really like. And it's crazy because. When you're in the middle of all of that, you're you're in the middle of all this smoke, you don't realize it until you actually move out and you're like, what the fuck, what the fuck on earth? How do I live through that so normally? When you move to Lancaster and you and you moved out for, for somewhat, did you feel like, what the fuck was that? And were you ever mad at your mom for because after when the smoke clears and you, and you see everything clearly. Did you ever say, fuck, dude, like, what the fuck, mom? Or, like, I grew up in a, f- a kind of fucked up situation. So I've never really been mad at her, but I do think, like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, me being so young, driving, selling drugs, hanging out with the homies, like, how did she think I was normal? But then I've never really been mad at her or, or ever have held a grudge against her because now she's sober. She, you know, she got pregnant with my little brother. She'd been sober ever since, you know, he was, you know, ever since she got pregnant with him. But no, I've never really been angry at her because I don't get anything. I don't get anything by being angry at her. Do I think like, what the fuck? Yes, I do, of course, because I would never raise my kids that way or around that shit at all. Okay, I do want to get into um, what you're up to now. And after when you got your GED, I do want to get into because there is hope at the end of the story. Everybody, obviously, she's still around and she's doing amazing. And we're going to take a small commercial break. 
And when we come back, we want to find out what you're up to these days. We'll be right back to this commercial break. Let me give you some dating advice. Are you looking for a special place for a special person for a special date? Well, take them to Garden Bar and Grill located in La Habra and Pico Rivera. Good food, good service. Be there. Welcome back from that commercial break. Okay, so now, Jennifer, you brought us to the point where um, you're in Lancaster. You had your daughter graduated, got your GED with a six-month-old, which is not easy to do. So props to you for that. That's amazing. And then now take us from there, kind of how your life turned when you when you got to Lancaster. So after I had, um, you know, I went, I was in high school. Obviously, I got my GED. I graduated, had my baby. At that point, I was um, thinking like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I've always been like a people person. I've always been good with people, like always wanted to help people. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to go to school. So I enrolled myself at a little private college out here. And um, I applied for the probation department and uh, I started working for the probation department. I worked from, uh, I worked for LA County Probation from 2008 until 2013. And um, actually, this is a story that I'm not uh, very proud of but it is what it is and it's a part of my story it's a part of who I am so I'm going to go ahead and share it with you guys but um so I was working for the probation department I had just got a uh, I had split up with the father of, of my kids because I ended up having another baby right after my daughter so I had a son so I have two kids I ended up working for the probation department I met I, you know I split up with the kid's dad I ended up uh, running into some dude who I used to talk to when I was young and met him at the courthouse. And uh, I didn't know if he was gonna go. I didn't know if he was gonna get busted. I didn't know if he was gonna go to prison. And I was waiting for him. So I was, something told me like, you know what? Go, go, go and see this fool. See if you like him, see if it's still there or whatever. So in the meanwhile, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna go up north. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the prison. And I'm gonna go see him and uh, see if if those feelings are still there or whatever. So I drove up north. I, I I get there. Long story short, I get I didn't ask for permission from the bureau chief, which is which was totally stupid. I, I started the probation department. I was twenty four years old. I was a little still wet behind the ears. I was still so, you, so you know, at this time at this time you're a PO officer, right? Correct. So you're a probation yeah. officer. You met some guy at court. You have feelings for him. You go up north to go visit him in prison, and I mean, common sense isn't so common these days, obviously, especially with Jen. <laughs> but common, but being a probation officer, you're not allowed to. Yeah, you're not. A, I'm gonna just. You're not allowed to go. You're not. Supposed, you can't date a convict, right? Right. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Could you have gotten permission, and then it would be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I could have got permission, but it was going to take too long. So I just thought I was going to go do a quick run up there, see him come back and everything was going to be fine and dandy and they weren't going to find out. So it, that it didn't end up happening that way because at that time, my dude was like, oh, take my take one of my homies with me. So you're not driving by yourself. So when we were leaving the prison. Wow. Got, now you're going with another cholo up north. No, it wasn't a cholo, but it was his friend. He didn't want me to drive. So this was, was a dumb guy. 
So the dumb guy, well, he didn't bring his ID. So when we get, we're leaving the prison and then the guy, the, the guards are like, oh, well, what's your name? And the guy's like, oh, I don't have an ID. So then it's a big old freaking crock of shit. So we go back. Anyways, they're like, oh, where do you work? So I get caught. So anyways, oh I ended up- Why did you lie and say you work at Burger King? Because my my license and everything was confidential at that time. So when I went back to the uh to talk to the the main dude at the prison, I forget what are, what are they called? Watch commanders. Warden. Yeah. Yes. So when I went back, he's like, he was like, Miss Arian, where do you work at? And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, I work for LA County, sir. So, anyways, they ended up sending my job a bunch of like shit that they like just whatever they knew it was me so i ended up just quitting the probation department that that's what happened i i fucked myself i it's a lesson learned you was live. it at least a conjugal visit that you got fucked up <laughs> hell no hell no i'm more impressed i mean we skipped the like we didn't skip but look at it. i'm 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 still proud of you for that you know you the way you grew up and from bird king from not only getting your diploma or your GED, you went to college, you got your degree, you're a probation officer, you're doing so good. I'm so proud of you. And then wah, wah, you fuck it up for some cholo dick. Oh my God, Rocky. I'm just saying like, I mean, you gotta be smart. And you know what? And there, there are laws like that for a reason, you know? And we, I, I, without saying it's for a reason, just for, you know, for, for crooked stuff, you know, that could happen, you know? And so now, like, do you feel after, first of all, was it a magical visit? Like, were the sparks still there? I got to know if it was worth your job. Hell no. I broke up with him, like, a week after I fucking went there. I left him. Did you, did you oh. put money in his books, at least, when you were up there? Fuck no. I don't put money in nobody's books. No. Fuck. No. <laughs> so, it, uh, okay, um, was he, he was getting out of, did, have you talked to him since he's been out of jail? I have, I have off and on, yeah. Okay, okay. Is he doing good does now? Does he know that you got fired? He he does. At first, he didn't believe me, and he was like, "Nah, you're lying." And I was like, "No, this is what happened. Like, this is what happened." You're, I, don't, I mean, I'm not. You're, just, you're silly for going up there. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm in a nice way. You're silly. I mean, just because you have a degree does not make you smart. Exactly. Go with that. Hey, you, can't, you can't. Sometimes love, love clouds the mind. The bigger oh, it does. Oh, it does. It makes you blind. And yeah, you know, it, love makes us do dumb shit. It really does. It, it does. It makes us do dumb things. For in my case, um, my love making me do made me a better person, doing better things. So I'm different, I guess. Whatever. But wah, it, wah, so wah. you get fired from being a PO, and now you, you you're you're still PO'd, but now you're just pissed off. So you're, <laughs> <laughs> so now you're just mad. Where do you go from here? I mean, it's still a positive thing, and I love that. I, I love it that you have your degree. I love that you made it out of the darkness. But where do you go from now? It, it sparks right there. Now you have no job. Like, where do you go from here? But it could be worse. You know what, Rocky? fired on your day off. You know what, Rocky? I left. I could have went back because I, I actually decided to leave before I got canned. So I left. I could have went back. I resigned. But then I started working like a regular, normal nine to five jobs. I left that job. I went to go work at Tarzana Treatment Center. I was teaching classes on substance abuse and like alcoholism. Amazing. Amazing. But I was working for half the pay. So I struggled. Believe that I struggled Mm -hmm. and struggled and struggled. And then I decided I was like, you know what? This is not working. Take your ass back to school. And that's what I did. 
Wow. And you, and you went back to school for what? For another degree or like or for like another um certificate? What'd you go to school for? No, um, I actually went back to school for my master's degree. And wow. uh, I, had, I had told myself, I said, you know what? This is not the end. This is this is a learning lesson. You've been through so much. You've been through so much. You've seen the worst. You smoked crack. You sold drugs for your mom. Your house got shot at. You, you've been, years old, you've been through the worst. Getting fired from a job isn't shit. It isn't shit for you. Like, no. fire me, motherfucker. I got guns fired at me. Get she didn't get fired. She quit. Oh, she resigned. Get the fuck out of with that. Anyway, so you go back to school and you get your fucking master's, which is amazing. What'd you get your master's for? And what are you doing with that master's? I got my master's degree in social work because when my brother passed away in 2017, I really had um like a tough time. So I was struggling with like some depression and a lot of grief and loss. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna do it for my brother. And um, right. I went back. I went back to school and I ended up finishing it. And um, so right now what I do is I work for, um, I'm a child welfare social worker. So I investigate child abuse. I actually also have a license to practice individual and family therapy. If I choose to go that route. Jan, I'm so fucking, I don't know you. That's but I, I, I want to say how proud I am of you. But I also want to say this. Um, I am, um, we see on TV a lot and we see these stories that happens and we know sometimes it is a job, and but with your job isn't just a job. Your job is to is to it, it, it's a lot a lot of responsibility come with your job, you know. And I know like some people should be receiving jobs, and you know if they mess up, it's not a big deal. But and and your line of work, a mess up is somebody's life, and you can't. And, and I'm I mean not that you do, not that you do. You seem like an amazing person and you've been through the struggle and you know what the struggle is like. So for you, I feel more comfortable having people like you in that profession. That's somebody that doesn't know. I see some people in that profession that don't know shit what these welfare caseworkers and these kids are going through. But I feel like you have the power, you have responsibility and you, and you can make changes in these kids' lives. Um, so with that being said, like I, I, I do hope you put everything together and maybe everything you went through from the past and you had to go through all of that pain and suffering, but God made you go through that things. So you know what it's like and you can help other people out because you have the heart for it now. You know, like you had to go through all of that, even data children in prison and lose that job because I wasn't for you. But maybe this is your calling. And I and I, I just, I, just I, I have this feeling that this is where you, this is where you should be at. You know, mm -hmm. you live through that, and I feel like you're in a good place right now. And, and I'm I'm happy that you're you're that you are a caseworker. I feel Thank like it, it makes her a better social worker. The fact that Absolutely. number one, she lives through it. She knows what signs and things to look for because, especially, I feel like mm -hmm. you're in a drug situation. So many kids are so like. Your parents teach them how to fake the funk. Like, oh, when the when the police come, when the neighbors come, when whatever, like you hide it, you act a certain way. And as somebody who grew up in that, you have the ability that so many other people don't that just go to school for it. You know what I mean? Like you've yeah, you can see things that other other social workers can't see. Like she right. called bullshit when she sees it. Right. I feel like you, I feel like you can't fake the funk with her, even a mom, a welfare mom, like get the fuck out of here. Like I know what you like you, you like you know a dope house when you walk in a dope house. You know when to take the kid away from a parent. It, have you done that? And is that hard to get a kid away from the parents? Because it's like for 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 instance with you example, and it might be like not a good thing, but like at any moment, and you should at the end of the day, you should have been proofing your house 
from from a social worker because what your mom did. I mean, I'm 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 glad she's doing good now, but at that point she wasn't doing good. But I feel like a social worker should went to your house and took you away. You know, and have you seen a situation like that? Where you go, you know what? I need to take this kid away from their parents. And if that's true and you did that, how does it make you feel? You know why, Rocky? I'm I'm a fairly new social worker. I have interned for my department for a little bit over a year. I, I've been with the department about a year and a half now. Okay. But I have been with somebody like another social worker who has detained. Uh, honest to God, like it's the worst it's the worst fucking feeling that you ever want to go through. Like I'm not even the parent and just to even imagine that some organization or some department that has, you know, let's keep it real. There's some form of authority mm-hmm. when you work for child welfare. So just mm-hmm. to think that, you know what, this is my child, but to know that somebody else can come in and just, mess up your whole entire world like it was the saddest thing like I actually had to take some time that day and just process because Mm -hmm. it was so bad and so impactful on like my my feelings and my emotions that I had to process that hey this is my job I want to go back to what what you just said you kind of just said and you kind of said to to mess up somebody's world or life but at some point like if somebody took you away from your mom, I wouldn't say they messed up your life or your mom's life. It could be for the better. Not that the foster care is good. I'm not saying that, you know, but do you see as messing somebody's life or you see as I'm helping this, this child out? It's it not really messing up, is it? it? No, it could be both. Because if you think about it, every time a child gets removed from their home, it's some type, it's a traumatic experience that yeah. they're, yeah. you know, I it's, think it's that's trauma. More- so it, it is messing up. But so life. is selling drugs, and so is drama. Is is trauma selling drugs at twelve years old? Is trauma getting your house shot up? Shot out? You know, it, it, that's all trauma too. Like, I mean, well, like I, mean, I said, it could be good. It could be good. Yeah. Like you know what? You know what? I'm yeah. going in. I'm doing a good deed. These parents need, you know, an intervention. They need to get their stuff, you know, situated, and then you know the children can yeah. get returned. So it could be good or bad. Um, yeah, I'm saying I'm saying with a job like yours, it's 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 gonna be a tough job. It's just yeah, to 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 do that, like they gotta be on their final fucking shit to take their kids away from somebody. I understand that, but it's just yeah, that's just a that's something that I don't think I could do. Like fuck, dude, like I gotta take these kids, like I gotta take the kid away from his parent, or it's, it's not an easy job. Yeah, well, good sure. luck with that. Thank you for coming on. I feel like yeah. you went through so much. And uh, I feel like you're using your past to help others out that are in the same situation as you are. And um, I'll keep you in my prayers to, um, to, to do the right decision when it comes to your job. I think it's amazing. I'm glad you're doing good. Are you, are you married? Are you single? Like, what are you up to? Are you single? What's going on right now? I just, um, I went through a divorce about um, a year and a half. No, two years. It's been two uh-huh. years. So yeah, that was a, that was a whole nother experience, but that's a whole nother show. That's another episode. That's episode 205. We'll get back <laughs> Jennifer, thank you for coming on. I'm glad you good. What touch bitch do you see how you're doing? Um, maybe in a year from now or something. All right. Sounds Thanks, good. But yeah, thank you so much, Jen, for being on. I love your story. Keep telling it. I know it, it's, it's scary, but um, because so many people are going to be impacted just by you being brave enough to share. So thank you. 
Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say one thing that even though I went through all that stuff, especially with, with losing the job and all that stuff, but you know what, it was definitely, it was, it was just something that you live and you learn. And, and I've definitely learned from that. And thank God that um, I've been able to pull myself back out of that. Even, you know, now I'm at a point where it's even better. So everybody goes through stuff, but keep your head up and just stay positive. I believe that I think you lost your job and I think you're, I think you're at where you're supposed to be at. I really strongly believe that, that you're supposed to be a social worker and you, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to go to people's houses and you're supposed to make these kids life a little bit better. Yeah. Thank you, Rocky. Thanks, Jen. Have a good one. Thank you so much for being on, Jen. No problem. Take care, guys. Bugs, I really like her story. I think for the shit she's been through, even with her brother's passing and i am i i'm i'm honestly i'm 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 happy for her mom for getting her shit together it's never too late for any of you guys for any of us and I'm, and, I, and I'm gonna say it again i think i think she's at where she's supposed to be at i think she went through it sucks that she had a fucked up childhood and it really is a fucked up childhood could you imagine being 12 i mean you probably could imagine but being 12 years old and like dealing drugs with the christmas lights and all the stuff it's just, it's mind-blowing, but, you know, I have a lot of friends, and I always say it on a podcast that I'm very blessed and grateful for my parents and for my family. I feel like me and my brother were so bad anyways with good parents, and I and I always get and I, I always get mad. It gets on my nerves, and it, it, it hits me the wrong way when people see a kid or somebody fucking up or, oh, they, um, their parents probably fucked up. They've always been a parent, but that's not always the case. Yeah. It's not always a parent's fault. Some kind, sometimes we're just fucking idiots, but I could imagine only my parents not being good parents where I could just fucking just kept going and going. But all parents, this is what I always say, all parents could do, and this is good for all you parents out there, and I know you guys stress over and you're always going to stress over our kids. But the best thing and the only thing you could do for your kid is to give them a conscience. Is to let them know what's right and what's wrong. Because um, a lot of wrong, wrongs that I did, I knew they were wrong. I have a lot of friends that do a lot of wrongs, but they don't know they're in the wrong. They, they come from a story like Jennifer, where their mom and dad are from the gang, their uncles, their cousins, everybody, their grandparents even, they're from the same gang, and they saw something dope at a young age, and they're brainwashed, kind of like the Taliban or whatever terrorists. They think it's normal to do suicide bombing, and they think killing somebody across the street is, is normal. It's not normal. Getting shot at is not normal. Shooting people is not normal. Not going to a McDonald's on the other side, other side of the town because it's not your town is not normal. You know, all this stuff is a normal. Um, going to prison is not normal. And, but we're so brainwashed by the way we grew up, by, you know, that we think it's normal. Like, oh, like, if, and I said it where it's weird that, that we glorify homies that do a lot of time in prison. Like, oh, you did 10 years. That's like, damn, fool. Like, and we give them, like, somebody goes a year, uh, four years in prison. We're more like, we're more infatuated and we're more in awe. Like, damn, if we did four years right now, then say, damn, you did four years in college. And that's where we're wrong. And that's where we're fucking up. We're more impressed with somebody do eight years in prison than somebody do eight years and gain their law degree or a doctor degree. We're more impressed by that. 
Well, and here's my question. Society. Here's my question for you. So at what point, and I know it's not, this is, you know, whatever, but I know you can relate to the story, but at what point did you want to be in a gang or did you think that, wow, this is cool or were you looked at, looked at it as something, you know, like, like you were, you glorified it? It was, um, if want to be honest, like in the early 90s and the 90s, being in a gang, it was a trend. It was mm -hmm. in style to be a gang member. It's as silly as it sounds. 90s, being in a gang was just something to do. Like, But it wasn't really that. My brother was in the gang before I was. And the local rival gang we had didn't like my brother. So if they didn't like my brother, they automatically didn't like me. They would shoot a house anyway. So it's kind of like... I'll just get in. They don't like me anyways. And mm. I was kicking with, I'm kicking my brothers and the homies anyway. So it's like, why not get in? And I remember, um, I think I was like a sophomore, I want to say, maybe a junior in high school, where I got hit up after school. What does that mean, hit up? Somebody asked me where I was from. Oh. Okay. And I wasn't from a gang yet. I wasn't, I wasn't from my neighborhood yet. But out of my mouth, my neighbor came out of my mouth just for, I don't know what reason I saw from here. You know what I mean? Well, probably you heard your brother and, say it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a high school, but like, first of all, I didn't have permission to say I'm from that gang. But oh. I just said it anyways. And when I said that, the guy kind of respected me. Oh, okay, cool, homie. Like, I ain't tripping. Like, because I know at that time, like, our, our gang, you know, was with, with the business. Right. And we didn't have cell phones back then or anything. So when I got home, I paged my brother. He was at the homies pad down the street. And I and I told him, hey, um, some guy hit me up. And I said, I'll show in the neighborhood. And my brother told me, well, come down to the homies pad. You need to get jumped in then, fool. <gasps> and I went there. And me and um, actually two of my homies, my close friends, we all got jumped in the same day at the house. And ever since then, I've been from the neighborhood. And um, that's how I got in. It was just it was Like very jumped random. in like double Dutch? Yeah, it was like triple Dutch, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the neighborhood, and that was probably 1994, 95 around. Jump rope Probably 95, I think. 94, I think it was 94. I've been for my neighbor for like, yeah, over 20-something years. But yeah, I've been I've been for a while. I've been through a lot. Of, you know my local local gang, but you know how it is over there. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I'm saying, for like, with all that being said, some of my friends... They don't have the luxury to go home to a, a I, even everything we did. I could still go home to a home. Dang, that's beautiful. That's rare. That's very rare. To I could go home to normal. You know I wasn't I mean? even I in a gang, and I didn't fucking go home to normal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so I'm very blessed, and I'll like I'll always like give my parents credit on that. No matter how far. And how bad we were, they never gave up on me and my brothers, especially my brother Steven. He was always in prison. And my brother Steven was a he was a fucking maniac, you know. Did your mom ever and beat they, your ass? All the time. Yeah. We got fucked up. My dad's fuck us up. Like it wasn't like it was hard it was tough love, you know, but it was just frustration. Did your uh, did the, your sister was she in a gang? No, but that's when my parents moved out of out of the city. I don't want to get too much of my story, but uh, one time, my sister's walking home, and she was probably, like, in fourth or fifth grade, if even that, and a local gang went up to her and said, where are your fucking brothers at? Fuck your brothers. And she's like, what? She's fucking, like, eight years old. Oh, that happened to me gang. so many times. Yeah, so um, after that, I mean, our house got raided so many times. As a matter of fact, fun story before we end, bugs. Oh, shit. I was eating I was eating a novel 
Adult are being Claremont at some little restaurants. And about five cops walk in. And when cops walk in, I want to look what city they work from. You know, working in Claremont, it said Fontana PD on all their badges mm-hmm. on their sleeve. I go, oh, shit, Fontana PD. And I'm sitting kind of next, they're sitting right next to me. And they see my big old tattoo, my, my neighbor tattoo on my, um, on my knee. Mm-hmm. And I see them keep looking. And they're looking. I, and I, I, I didn't realize my, my knee is just facing straight towards them. Like, if I think I'm doing it on purpose, you know? Right. And I recognize some cop. I don't want to say his name, but I, I go, is that him? You know, because he's like 20 years ago, and he probably aged. But I go, let me look at it. I'm trying to look at his, at his badge, you know, his last name. And I see it. I go, I think that's him. And he keeps looking at me, and he, I know he recognizes me, and I recognize him. And he's older. He's my age. And all this cops around him, he, he's probably the captain, whatever he is now. But you talk, you like he was, like he's her boss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And all the cops are younger than he is. He's walking by me. He makes straight eye contact. They're leaving. Makes straight eye contact with me, and I look at him. I go, "Hey, is your name?" I, I knew his, I knew I knew his guy his first name. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, I go, "Your name this?" And he goes, "Yeah." And Nova just looking like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I go, "Do you remember me?" He's like, "Yeah." He's all Rocky, and I'm like, "Yeah." He's all, "How you been?" I go, I've been doing pretty good. And I can actually say that. Like, you know, I'm doing pretty good, man. He's like, that's good. He goes, how's your brother doing? And my brother was always in trouble. You know, my brother was always in, you know, they, like I said, they raided, this guy raided our house. I don't know how many times, pulled us over. Like, he knew me and my brother by first name. But he knew my brother more than me, for sure. Right. He's like, how's your brother? I go, man, my brother just bought a second house. He's married. He's actually a pastor now. He's <laughs> all, and, and you can see his face. Because this guy, like, he, he was just doing his job. He was never an asshole. Right. Doing it's like you know, and he goes, you know what, bro? I, I I'm saying, I'm, I, he goes, I'm saying this sincere, but I'm proud of your brother. I'm proud of you. Like I'm glad you guys are doing good. And you can, you can tell he meant it. Right. And I, you know what? I'm glad I'm seeing you here in a different situation than before when I used to see you. He goes, I know. I go. He goes, remember last time I see you? I go, yeah. He goes, I had my shirt off, and you were taking Polaroid pictures of me and putting me in gang files. He goes, yep. So I go, yeah, I remember that. He's like, yeah, I remember, man. I remember, like, the whole thing. So it just, you know, people say, oh, you're talking to cops. I don't care, man. It was a, it was like a moment in my life where I say, man, like, I wasn't scared to see this cop. I had no drugs. I'm not doing anything bad. And it was just yeah, like. Yeah, you're also an elderly senior citizen. Yeah. 87. And I was just relieved. Like, that was cool. Like, that was a cool moment in my life where 20 years later, I see this guy who used to, like, I don't want to say harass us because we were we're terrifying the city on some stupid shit, you know. Like you know, so it'll just. But did you tell him to listen to Nashville podcast? I actually didn't. You idiot! (laughs) I know, but it was just it was it just happened last week, and it was it was it was um, interesting, but it was cool. I I went home. I told my parents. So no way. I go. Yeah, to go. And my parents were kind of proud. Like that's cool. Like you know, you tell my Steve. Go. Yeah, I told the whole conversation. And it was a problem for all of us that, like, we actually ran to a, a cop who used to arrest us and fuck with us that, that's proud of us, which sounds weird, whatever. But, yeah, everybody, hey, Bob, this is a good, I thought it was a good episode. I'm glad Jen's doing amazing. I'm glad I'm doing amazing. I'm glad you're doing amazing. People out there that have kids, um, once again, it's never too late. Don't give up your kids. Don't give up your friends. You know, just, just, just pray for them, you know. Sorry, Logan, I said pray. I pray for them, 
you know? Paper Logan. Anyways, with that being said, we're out of your buffs. I'll see you later. Bye.